actually some of the work in the show is going to span some some areas of time and and distance in regard to location of making and and a response to that location. So another kind of intersection that Chris and I have had is that uh, I was living and working in Minnesota for almost two years, and I just recently relocated to Tennessee. And so there's a body of work that will be in this show that was made during a residency period, Tofty Lake Center, which is in the Boundary Waters, uh, Northwoods, Minnesota. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's episode 144, we have Christopher Holmgren and Nicholas Satinover joining us to talk about their exhibitions that are coming up at Jan Brandt Gallery, opening June 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. in Bloomington, Illinois. So come check out the show and say hello to the artists. So we're going to give a preview for that exhibition and make some other announcements. So we'll get right to that in a second. Of course, Jan Brandt Gallery is one of the exhibition venues that is participating with our 2015 competition. Once again, open to all BA, BFA, MA, MFA, and professional artists. We'll be featuring three artists from each of those categories, and we'll be selecting one from each of those categories to have their own solo exhibition. And the participating venues are the Peoria Art Guild, Demo Project, and Jan Brandt Gallery. This year's juror is Julia Friedman of Exchange Works. She's the director. She's put together a lot of different projects, including Exchange Works, which helps bring different opportunities and resources to artists in exchange for their work. So you can check that out on the homepage as well. All of the information for the 2015 competition can be found on the homepage of Studio Break. So please check it out there. And if you know anybody that might be interested, please share this. Our extended deadline is June 15th, so get your apps in. If you're new to Studio Break, we just want to let you know it is a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists that come on. I speak with them about their work, their studio practice, and we share these interviews for free on Studio Break. You can also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, so please check it out there. We are in social media form, so like and follow our Facebook page. You can follow us on Tumblr. That's studio-break.tumblr. And you can also send your tweets to at Studio Break on Twitter. And coming up, Christopher Holmgren and Nicholas Satinover. Stay tuned. So welcome to Studio Break, gentlemen. Uh, Good to have you on. So thanks, Nick, for joining me, and and thanks, Chris, for joining me. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having us. And again, we are talking about both of uh, your solo exhibitions that are be coming up at Jan Brandt Gallery opening June 6th from 7 to 9. So again, it'll be exciting to kind of break some of these down and give people a little bit of a preview. So I first wanted to start off by asking, did you guys go to school together or how did you meet for this exhibition? Is this the first time you're showing together? Uh, we didn't actually go to school at the same time together. Nick, what did you, uh, you got your MFA in 2010, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and I got mine in 2005, so um, we were ships passing, uh, <laughs> if you will. 
and ironically, I think Dave, you left ISU before I got there the year before I got there. So yeah, t- so a nice lineage, two thousand two for me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so and, and you know, I mean, ISU is such a great community that we, you know, you get to know fellow colleagues and peers and faculty, stay in touch with each other. So we know a lot of the same people. We show with a lot of the similar in similar vein. So um, and then yeah, so we we hear each other's name in passing. I think I I think I remember being pointed towards people's MFA thesis papers too. When I was a student, there's that nice collection in the art office, and oh yeah, I remember going back and reading. You know, many of the folks that you've had on Studio Break, um, yeah, within our little ISU community. Since yeah, yeah, passing ships, but totally aware of one another. And I guess was it something where you kind of approached uh, with like a proposal, or were you both kind of invited? I mean, ha- have you actually shown together, or is this the first time? First time, I think. yeah, yep. Yeah, we've never shown together, so. But I, you know, oddly enough, I think the work is gonna. I, it hasn't been installed yet, but I think the show, uh, both of them, will have an interesting conversation, from what I can assume. Yeah. <laughs> and are there certain similarities that you guys see in each other in each other's work? I mean, it, can, it could be maybe like formal considerations, or you know, just in terms of just uh, themes or interests. I mean. Anybody want to feel that? Sure. Uh, this is Chris, and um, I, I, you know, like I said, it, the work, how it's going to play off of each other, I think, is going to yet to be determined. I, you know, I just from what I know of Nick's work, he uses text and within the work, and I don't. Um, but I think we, we, I don't know, we approach abstraction in a similar vein uh, or somewhat similar vein. We have you know, different work, but, uh, within the work, there's from familiar motifs or phrasings or comfortable rhythms, but then there's interruptions, be they text or be they, uh, shapes or forms, uh, at times. And this, you know, it, it sort of references memory in a sense. So in a really loose sense, I think both of our work, uh, has that in common. Ugh, this is Nick. Um, <laughs> If I'm just kind of thinking too about the the bit I know about Chris's work and and seeing some of our our statements are now getting paired up and pushed around promotion, I'm, I think there's kind of a similar a sense of trying to use visual form and abstraction as a kind of an analog of experience or or some other you know kind of uh, mental process, and so kind of using uh, non representational work and and kind of to similar ends I suppose. But yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, a, a bit of a difference. I, I'm usually the text guy in a show. And that is to say that it's uh, a difference. But I think we are thinking about things in a similar way. This idea of, you know, places and I guess spaces seem to kind of, you know, come up, you know, just when I'm kind of just looking at both bodies of work and or at least just things that I've seen in the past. I'm sure that you both have all been uh, busy uh, working on, on new pieces for this. But, you know, Nick, again, being on before, you know, we might have talked about just like a kind of relationship to a place or memory. Mm-hmm. Whereas, again, <clears throat> like when I look at Chris's work, it maybe seems like it's, um, I don't know, maybe more artificial or constructed. How how important is, I guess, uh, a place in relationship to, to both of your works? And again, you could kind of uh, both grab them in whatever order you want. <laughs> well, this is Nick again. So I, I've used kind of the notion of 
place specificity um, as a way to to generate work. And actually, some of the work in the show is going to span some some areas of time and and distance in regard to location of making and and a response to that location. So. Another kind of intersection that Chris and I have had is that uh, I was living and working in Minnesota for almost two years, and I just recently relocated to Tennessee. And so there's a body of work that will be in this show that was made during a residency period, Tofty Lake Center, which is in the Boundary Waters, the Northwoods, Minnesota. And so, you know, for me in that experience, the work translates a lot of the experience of that place in terms of color, form, kind of sentiment kind of the the impression of of that place um kind of a a notion of time and presence and just the compression of of linear time and how that really dissipates when you're when you're in a place with no markers besides nature it's just very strange how the days shorten but seem very long at the same time so there's work you know for me that's heavily related to that sort of place and then there's new work uh, in response to where I live now, which is, you know, the suburban outcrop of Nashville, which if you want to talk about artificial is <laughs> very much the case here. And so there's kind of the, you know, for me, the, the place specificity guides the work and, oh, sorry, you're probably hearing children's toys now. Oh, it's, <laughs> it makes uh, it just all more atmospheric <laughs> and real about place, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, noise and uh, <laughs> disruption. And, but, you, know, you know, the work I'm, I'm generating now kind of responds to, yeah, a little bit of that, that kind of screen of, of the suburb of the kind of track house and the kind of weird quality of light that you see where everything's illuminated and fluorescent streetlights. It's, uh, you know, much different, so... For me, it's been an important kind of generation tool and also uh, a tool for contemplation in my work. And this is Chris. Um, I, I, how I deal with space and place, I, I, when I was in graduate school, maybe, uh, what, 10 years ago now, you know, I was really interested in the specificity of a place like Nick was alluding to. So you, you would have footholds in my instance through representation, uh, a silhouette of a foliage or you know an architectural element or a modernist design element that would kind of remind you of of a specific uh, location um but more and more uh, over the past i don't know seven eight years now i've been less interested in that specificity and more interested in um the sort of confusion of of a space uh which is it's kind of dangerous terrain to be in for a visual artist but that's what i'm getting more interested in uh in having the composition be kind of convoluted and confusing in instances but then uh enough footholds that you can get your bearings and visual cues um to to make something out of it well and i i think and that's something that really is kind of interesting formally in both the, the works is just that you know there's this level of I guess, abstraction or especially kind of like construction or deconstruction in terms of just, I don't know, different fragments of the images, whether or not like the, you know, the text, Nick, and yours is like flipped upside down or there's pieces that look unfinished. And then again, there's there's things like that that get play, played up in, in Chris's work as well. I don't know. Is that, is that something that you both are very like conscious of in terms of playing up, I guess, and kind of gearing up for a show like this? Um, is there any kind of thought into how much readability you want for the works that you're making, or is it kind of like establishing that that gr- the, those guidelines and then kind of 
just playing within them, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Uh, this is Nick. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, those options for me, you know, I try to just create a, a situation or, or sort of a, a scenario in, to wor- in which to work that's kind of repeatable, but variable. Uh, so there's the structure there, but there's also improvisation kind of readily at hand as well. And, and for me, the kind of idea of readability, you know, having the work be primarily driven by text in terms of generating a subject or kind of a, a sentiment, that kind of clarity is, is tapered with a lot of attempts to make things illegible or less uh, linear. So the text flips or, or circle, you know, circles back on itself. Or there's, you know, attempts to make things push and pull through color, shape, or, or composition. And, and so for me, I, you know, the, the things I'm mining I'm interested in are, are those kind of dualities or contrasts uh, and experience things that are, you know, kind of oscillating between two things simultaneously. And so I'm very purposefully designing work visually with that in mind that's trying to do the same thing. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think we all kind of negotiate this idea that, you know, our work has a, our intention and our research and our kind of attempts built in, but it's readability is, you know, usually largely dependent on the person looking at it and their experience and their baggage. And so I kind of feel like at the end of the day, if I can at least try to correlate a few things and at least get a, a sense of the thing doing what I hope it should, then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing the best I can. I hope that makes sense. I think that yeah. does. Yeah. And this is Chris. I, um, I, I think for me, you know, I mean, kind of following up on what Nick was saying, it's I just make the connections that I make, and and if if the viewer follows that, that's great. They're they're not going to have the same references that I will. For me, a lot of the references are uh, subconscious. It's not like it's some surreal uh, reason that I'm tapping into. But my dad was a, a modernist architecture or, or an architect. And so a lot of the decisions that I probably fundamentally make have reference to, you know, how he, you know, designed a certain element within uh, uh, the constructs of a landscape. So, you know, I wasn't trained the same way he was, but he sort of passed some of these traits down to me in in an indirect sort of way. Could you guys kind of both break down, uh, I guess, what your what your pieces, I guess, look like in terms of uh, scale and, and just maybe some techniques and, and materials? Uh, sure. This is Nick again. I, I am the, uh, the printmaker on the, on the phone. Uh, so <laughs> primarily the, the work I'll be showing is, is made through some sort of um, indirect process, whether it be woodblock printmaking, lithography, or some of the work being collage. But, you know, I, I'm kind of limited in some terms the by traveling to make work or making work within a, a studio that has kind of size limitations due to equipment. The work I'll be showing that was generated in, uh, during residency in Minnesota is generally all about, you know, like 16 by 20, uh, inches in dimension. And those are actually screen printed on panel and technically they'd be more paintings than anything. Cause there wasn't any actual, uh, stenciling system involved is just making flats of color and kind of, Actually, probably similar in a system to someone like uh, Mike Willie, if I'm thinking about how other people have used screen printing in a non-printmaking way. And then some of the other work that's more recent are kind of larger scale collages and prints that are about 20 by 30 inches or 20 by 28. Generally all flat shapes of color, 
text and shape circular or symmetrical compositions. Generally works on paper or masonite board. And that would be it for me, really. And this is Chris. I get lumped into being a painter, although I don't, you know, follow that uh, strictly <laughs> uh, by any means. Uh, as maybe Nick doesn't follow printmaking strictly. Right, um, right. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, I mean, it, I, I tend to build my images in a direct way as opposed to indirect. I do have some screen printing collage elements within the work. Uh, but primarily, they're they're small scale, you know, fifteen to twenty inches uh, on paper. With uh, the mediums that I often use is gouache paint, which is sort of like watercolor, and um, they're they're fairly intimate, right? I like that idea of intimacy within the image. Um, but I, I will have one larger uh, oil painting. It's like a four four-foot, five-foot oil painting on canvas. And that, that really shifts the interpretation of intimacy. But that, you know, I, I'm going to see what that what happens with that. Hey, can I follow up on something there really quickly? Because I, I was just thinking about a connection that might kind of permeate the show. Um, this is Nick again. This idea of kind of an intimate work within a kind of public setting. And, and Chris is talking about it through kind of a, a slight and scale um, and then, you know, dealing with it hung up in a public setting. And mm-hmm. I mean, as someone who makes works on paper through a print process, you're kind of always dealing with that idea, too. Um, and, you know, I, I think about that a lot, too, the the kind of notion of, you know, the interior motives, the exterior readability, the kind of internal qualities versus the external qualities. And, and for me, that's another kind of large consideration of making work, how how it can have that interior interior life thought and then it has that exterior presence in the gallery setting as well so i'm kind of excited to hear chris talk about that because i I think that will be a nice uh thread between the two shows absolutely yeah yeah i really agree that was the second (laughs) yep okay (laughs) sorry i'm like i'm like he's gonna say something totally for like (laughs) This is coming. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize there. That's okay. I don't know why I was just I was just going to expect a big rattling off of something. So, um. well, I, I guess I, you know I mean you know the idea of intimacy. It, it it doesn't just have to be this like private situation like Nick was alluding to. I mean it, it's um, you could have it in a public sector too. I you know proudly wear the badge of being uh, introvert right and and this idea of like going out in public and sharing your work and and sharing my ideas it's it's you know really awkward but i've, I've started to embrace that awkwardness uh, and clumsiness and clunkiness right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that i think both of our work has you know uh, a similar vein uh, in regards to so i guess you know that personal intimacy uh interpretation uh versus a public uh intimacy absolutely that was said great (laughs) there's something about like scale i think that is interesting just in terms of just um when you're kind of limited in terms of space or like i guess what you can do in it you know again my, my studio space is a table that's you know six foot wide and i really don't have much more room than that and so it kind of dictates a little bit like how big i make things and I don't know, I, I think there's something to just that that in terms of a process, being able to kind of work on, you know, multiple images or multiple, you know, works at the same time. But I don't know, I, I think there's something to that in a way that 
it's it's hard for me not to want to somehow relate this to uh, uh, this whole thing that's been going on about like Richard Prince in terms of just this uh, high art world that maybe wants things to be like a specific way. So there's something about that intimacy of like a small small scale that makes it interesting for me because maybe it's not I don't know maybe it's not the kind of thing that people want to collect. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe we can edit that out if it's terrible. But <laughs> no, no. I think I think you're right on, Dave. It's uh, this is Chris. The way I think about it is um, how I'm physically making the work. Um, like like similar to you, Dave. I have a limited studio space. I don't I don't have a lot, and I and I'm okay with that. Like the way I work in the studio. It's shifting now more, but primarily I'm sitting at a desk, right? And there's a piece of paper in front of me, and I'm kind of whittling away at this image, uh, if you will, uh, on a personal level, the same way that you would look at an image on a computer screen, an individual desktop. But then now I'm starting to shift scale, and so I'm installing the work on my studio wall and maybe having like five or ten images next to each other, and I experience it differently, right? I compare the work. I it, it's not like I'm reading a book. It's like I'm, you know, comparing different levels at the same time. And sort of to your reference, Dave, that I, I think one of the issues that I have with the the Richard Prince images or controversy or whatever, I like his work a lot. But when you're shifting something like that, that is intimate, um, whatever a Twitter feed or whatever, to the gallery wall, it's 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 you know, it's it's a huge jump. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't quite formulate all my ideas around that, but I don't know why I would just want to associate like a just this Midwestern kind of like work ethic or like <laughs> I don't know, like we're all farmers out here just kind of doing our work or something. <laughs> well, but there's something to that that seems like that's I don't know. There's something about that as being significant, and I think. I don't know. It's interesting because I think artists like need to think about it a little bit because I think sometimes I don't know. Maybe people people are focused on the curve and and where they fit into it as opposed to making work that you know really is about I don't know something that they're invested in. I guess, but maybe that's a convoluted romantic uh, idea. I don't know. Uh, this is Nick again. I mean, I try not to discount you know the the community I belong to, which is the weird little subset of the wider art community. I'm kind of weary of self identifying as. Uh, a printmaker versus an artist, but at the same time, it seems appropriate to some degree because there is an earnestness to it. There's also kind of a a lack of representation within the blue chip art world for someone who would self-define that way, and it becomes about labor and practice and and kind of openness. And in terms of intimacy in a making practice, I mean, I I teach at a state university and I use the facilities there for my own studio. And I'm generally constantly bombarded by <laughs> visitors, students, people who want information, people who are looking over my shoulder. And I'm trying to create, you know, intimate works within that setting. And it's just very strange. But to me, it seems, you know, comfortable in a way, too. I mean, I'm I'm trying to, you know, make this stuff about these kind of thoughts I have, about these experiences that I have. And I'm trying to really do it within a public setting and, you know, constantly negotiating that. But realizing that... Um, that kind of underdog status or that labor or that, um, I don't know, the, the relationship to it being, a, you know, derived from a commercial process. I mean, all these things, these kind of peculiar relationships, I, I, I think are 
meaningful and, and helpful. And, you know, I just look at the landscape of where a lot of the really great printmaking has happened for, you know, within my kind of history it's all within the Midwest. All those great programs are really concentrated in here. And I, I don't think that's for no reason. I think there's kind of a, an earnestness to it. And, you know, for me, it's, it's important, but again, I wouldn't go around, you know, carrying the banner of it either, but <laughs> I do, I do find that, you know, that relationship to be, you know, rewarding and purposeful. And, you know, I, I surround myself with students who, you know, that makes sense to them and they tend to be, the ones who come from more modest means, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to pose a question to you, Nick, uh, mm-hmm. this is, this is Chris. Uh, how, how do you think your work shifted when you went from Minnesota to, as, as I would refer to the South? Yeah. <laughs> do you, I mean, did, did, be, you know, I mean, it, is it out of the Midwest? Do, do you f- follow those um, themes or has it shifted? Not, not only like what you made, um, it in the soda, but like as you're working more in a public setting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to get too much in the politics of what, what a research university job is versus a state school job, but, or, you know, kind of the, the facilities there are, but, um, I just think there's a, I, I've noticed there's a kind of a curiosity about things from the people I'm surrounded by. For me, Minneapolis is a very large metropolitan area you know, fairly worldly city and and moving somewhere, you know, adjacent to a a more medium sized city. I'm just noticing, you know, the, the kind of climate for art is different, you know, the kind of awareness of it's different, but, you know, for me, that's kind of an interesting challenge. And so I I just feel like, you know, I have to be careful, like almost anything I say Mm. can be picked up and run with. And that's, that's a weird, a weird realization to have. But in terms of making and, and kind of the experience of the place, it, it feels very much like a suburban outcrop. So as much as I am a Midwesterner, you know, Middle Tennessee feels like Southwest Ohio feels like Central Illinois. I mean, it's the same sort of scenario of, um, you know, four lane, major road, suburban developments, strip malls. It looks a lot like Dave's paintings, really. (laughs) In that regard, it's comfortable because I know that sort of world. But I guess, you know, the climate is really the different thing. I don't mean the the weather. I just mean the kind of interest and the kind of like the, you know, way people are coming at things is different. But it's really not all that, you know, big of a leap. I I just do notice my work because now I'm living in a, a fairly new type of uh, built environment as opposed to, you know, a, a home built in 1890 in like a Minneapolis neighborhood. I'm just noticing like I, everything is taking on this veneer, which I never noticed before. And I, I had been on a panel talk at a conference recently with someone from Texas, and she kind of referred to track housing as an addition or multiples of, of housing. And, you know, kind of never occurred to me that's a, a weird relationship, you know, or a connection to make like, those are are just kind of prints in a way. There's like mm-hmm. the same house over and over and over again. But you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to find what's what's kind of interesting or or the kind of level of contrast that's here, where you know they really try to weed out all that stuff when they build these places. I suppose that's anywhere though. Like when I when I started making like house paintings years ago, you know, like people would think like like they would come up to me and be like, this is Midwestern. And then something else is like Californian. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that, that kind of universal aspect to it. I think um, 
also that that becomes interesting and i think also kind of gets picked up in you know in both of uh both of your works yeah yeah this is chris um yeah i i think so too i mean midwestern is a bit of a loaded word especially from the internal when you're <laughs> when you are one right mm-hmm. you know we're we're referred to as the flyover um simply because i think People, people from the East Coast and West Coast generally um, make the assumption that it's all the same, right? It has a predictability. It has a repetition, as, as Nick was saying, with track housing. But it's, you know, I mean, I think within all three of our works, um, it's about the subtle nuance, the, mm-hmm. the interruption, the, the, the quirkiness of one place or one thing versus another thing that, you know, I think it's it's a more it's a slow read. It's not it's not a quick read. It's not hot and and fast like the coasts uh, love to love to have. But you know, it, it has that crumbling history, a sense of memory. But then there's some kind of oddballs within the bunch too. Yeah, I have this uh, this kind of example. This is Nick again, and I, I've been thinking about you know the way. The, the way things are kind of kept track of here, you know, the the history that belies the surface of the whole, you know, a lot of the South is, you know, Civil War sites and, and just these things that are, you know, once really important, but they're not, you know, like things to build monuments to. So like here in town, we have the, you know, the Battle of Murfreesboro. And so that's, you know, a national park. But the way they designate the space is by putting these really... <laughs> really amusing looking cardboard not cardboard like plywood cutouts of cannons or um you know like soldiers like crouched with a rifle and you know you like the only way you'd really understand that this is somehow an important site is through this like really ridiculously cheap way of marking space and so i think about like you know the the kind of importance and gravity of the ground you're on but like the the least intrusive way to to designate that is by putting like a little wooden cutout. I mean, that's that's crumbling to me. That's that's clunky in a way that I, I really really kind of like eat up. I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so again, the the unique uh, nature of this exhibition. You're both having solo exhibitions, so we've been talking a bit about how things maybe relate, how they're different. Um, but Nick, why don't you just uh, explain a little bit about the the title of the show, uh, Shiftless Diction. Yeah, beyond the fact that it's fun and, and kind of dangerous to try and say out loud. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a lot about um, language and vocabulary and, and kind of the, the rhythms of, of putting the thing together. Um, and for me, you know, the work is kind of predicated upon you know, a structure and then kind of variation within that structure. So a lot of the work kind of operates or is built through process in a similar way. And then within that kind of pretty rigid structure, there's a lot of uh, play and and opening up and and decision-making is kind of liberated by that structure. And so in thinking about, uh, you know, just a, a way to kind of, I guess, put a bow around a lot of different work, Maybe the uniting kind of factor has been, you know, my my voice or my kind of way of uh, extrapolating an experience and, and phrasing it uh, either visually or textually and, and then kind of representing it uh, through an image. So thinking about this kind of idleness or kind of a slowness and, you know, the, the kind of way of, of putting it together and, and speaking it or putting it into voice. And so the title is kind of an allusion to that. Um, additionally, kind of more anecdotal 
kind of explanation of that is when I was teaching in, in Minnesota, I had a graduate student who was from the East Coast. She's from Maryland. And she told me that I, you speak in a very slow drawl. And so I, I used to think about, you know, it really got me thinking like, wow, like I, I must really be kind of like a, a lazy talker. I know I'm monotone for the most part, but, you know, I guess my my fingerprint, if you will, or my my way of, of capturing the thing or writing is maybe through this more drawn out, slow way of, of articulation. So that's for me where the, uh, the title comes from the work in the show. Um, there's going to be a little bit of negotiation once I get there. I, I tend to, if I haven't been to the space before and, you know, Jan's a really generous person in terms of, of space and, and kind of what you're, you know, what you can do. I'm basically going to take a lot of stuff and then kind of curate as I'm there. It just makes the most amount of sense for the schedule of things and kind of what I want the show to be. But I know there will be work from kind of a few different areas and times within the past two years. So some works on Masonite panel from a residency at the Tofty Lake Center in northern Minnesota, some works made while living in the city and in, in Minneapolis, and then some more recent excursions that have been made here in the Mid-South, which, you know, they're so kind of new that it's, it's I'm, a, I'm a little close to them. So I think putting them up for the first time and kind of a, the white box will be the the kind of way to kind of assess what those are, but you know, all related or circling around a print process of some sort, but, you know, representative of um, a few different places and and times within the past few years. And this is Chris. The title of my show is uh, sharpened twice. And I I don't, I don't, I like that the sort of open-endedness to that uh, title. And I, I think about it, how it, it's sort of a reflection of how we return to our sources, either through timidness or uncertainty, but in the same sense, it has a sense of repetition or, or reinvention, right? You're, you're maybe honing the, the blade, if you will. Um, but yet we're still interested in sort of broadening the scope or, you know, expanding the, the edge of uh, interpretation. Recently, a lot of my work has dealt a lot with collage and collage really you know lends itself to that interpretation you can you can say something say it twice repeat it and and flip it around but in different ways there's subtle shifts within the work so you know it's sort of saying something twice or multiple times uh, expands the viewpoint into in a different direction and you know to sort of reference a question that you asked earlier dave um Nick and I didn't plan this being together as a group uh, or, or, you know, it's two solo shows, but I think it's going to really work well together. It was actually Jan that came up with the pairing. Um, so I think it's, uh, it, it'll, it'll work really nicely as a whole. A lot of my work similar to, to Nick's is, is smaller work, um, you know, 20 inches on paper uh, or smaller. And, it's going to be a collection from the past four or five years, some, something like that, where you're going to see a shift away from representational things, much more uh, abstract recent uh, work is where I'm at right now. So kind of seeing the trajectory of those those two things and how the, uh, the, the image is getting honed uh, at a different level. Excellent. Again, I, I think it's really exciting, especially uh, that both of you guys are going to be showing not only together, but then at, at Jan Brands, just because uh, it seems like every time I'm there for an exhibition, it's so packed out with uh, 
with people um it's really an event you know so um yeah. it be very interesting to see so i hope uh people come and check it out again that uh opens uh june 6th if i'm not mistaken 7 to 9 p.m thanks so much guys i i really appreciate you uh taking the time this morning it was a interesting conversation and certainly interesting to hear your take on it so thanks again yeah thank right. you thank you Thanks once again to Nick and Chris for joining us. You can check out their exhibition at Jan Brand Gallery, June 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. Come out for the opening and say hello. You can also check out their websites, nicksatinover.com and christopherholmgren.com. Attention artists, get your applications in for our 2015 competition, which has been extended to June 15th, so you've got time. Get your applications in. You can find all the rules on studiobreak.com. Just look under 2015 competition. Once again, we are accepting applications from all BA, BFA, MA, MFA, and professional artists. We'll be featuring three artists from each of those categories for a total of nine on Studio Break. And in addition to that, we'll be selecting one artist from each of those categories for their very own solo exhibition. One will take place at the Peoria Art Guild. One will take place in demo projects in Springfield, Illinois. And the last will take place at J and Brandt Gallery in Bloomington, Illinois. Our juror this year is Julia Friedman, so you can find out more information about her and Exchange Works by visiting the Exchange Works page. It's just a unique organization that brings artists with different resources and different opportunities for the work, so please check it out. It is just about to close, so if you know anybody that would be interested, please share this opportunity. Former students, colleagues, whatnot, get it in. Again, the deadline is May 31st, so check it out on Studio Break. As always, please check out our other podcasts, which you can find in iTunes. Again, very easy to go through the archive and see some of the ones from over the years that you've missed. You can also help us out by leaving some comments and some feedback there. Again, there's a lot of people listening to podcasts on commutes all throughout the world, so you can help us get the word out. So please help us out that way. You can also find all of our social media buttons on the Studio Break homepage, so please follow us on Facebook. You can find out about new opportunities and all sorts of things. You can share links, so please participate. Say hello there. You can also find us on Tumblr, that's studio-break.tumblr. And lastly, you can send all of your tweets, all of your interesting art, everything, to at Studio Break on Twitter. We do want to thank Skylar Mail for providing the music to Studio Break. Please check out his artwork at SkylarMail.com. Of course, you can check out my artwork at DavidLinaway.com. And I also would be remiss if I didn't let you know I have a solo exhibition up on Five Pieces Gallery. So go ahead and check out my work if you're interested. Once again, thanks to Chris and Nick. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see a lot of you at the exhibition. We'll talk to you real soon.